Welcome to another episode of Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that uh, just came out on video on demand. You might be wondering, why did I say video on demand? Aren't they going to be talking about the eyes of Tammy Faye today, which just came out in theaters last week? Well, uh, we were going to, but that movie is really bad. So instead, we're going to talk about the movie Candyman, which uh, just came out on VOD, I think, two days ago as of this recording. Um, we were both pretty excited for this, uh, and, um, we go into details pretty quick. I really don't think that the way we talk about it is very spoiler heavy, but, uh, we don't give a spoiler warning for sure. So if you are worried, go and watch this movie yourself first, and we'll be here when you get back. Uh, we're going to, um, throw on some theme song music from Candyman. I don't remember the theme song for this, but uh, this is what it is. Here it is, right now. Theme from Candyman. You're listening to another episode of Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about Disney movies, except, like, uh, this week we were going to talk about a Disney movie. We announced it last week, but we decided we decided not to talk about Disney movies instead. Uh, Pierre, I remember, you probably remember, at the end of last week's episode, we said we were going to watch, uh, we were going to talk about The Eyes of Tammy Faye, but, like, I watched that movie a bit ago. I think I might have watched it just before you did, and it's really bad, so we're not going to talk about that instead. Instead, we're going to talk about a good movie, right? Please uh, say yes. Yeah, I was. I wish. I wish. Um, uh, what is it? What's the good movie we're talking uh, about? This is a movie called Candyman. It's a horror movie directed by Nia De La Costa, I believe her name is. Um, a relatively rising director right now who is doing the who's the new director of the Marvels. I guess the next Captain Marvel oh, movie. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, this was kind of her. I think her last couple movies were like kind of indie but like pretty highly praised and now we have come to candy man which is like her uh, mainstream i guess entry do you know like uh what her last couple of movies were i i might have seen i can't remember exactly these were like more low-key movies uh like yeah indie movies Um, oh okay she has a lot of short films oh nia da costa never mind um hmm, but Yeah, little. Apparently, this movie Little Woods was really good, and it really shot her up into like into the sights of a lot of people, um, as you can see. Because yeah, she worked with Jordan Peele on her next feature film, and then her next movie is a Marvel movie, which is pretty big. Yeah, so. that's yeah, that's pretty huge. Um, yeah. yeah, I was just gonna say, uh, I, I was gonna point out that Jordan Peele worked on this because, like, I mean, I guess. He's sort of making a name for himself, obviously, as a fantastic director, like the worst movie. He's only made two movies. He's only directed two movies. And like, I would say Us is worse than Get Out, but like, it's still really good. But then beyond that, he's also been producing a lot of movies. And I guess he wrote this one, too, but like he produced this one. So that's what the marketing was very intent that we know that. Yeah. He's he's still I guess what what uh, Get Out came out twenty seventeen, 
I so think like so. three years later, we're kind of uh, like no, f- four years later, we're still kind of in a a big uh, Jordan Peele. I, he still has a lot of marketability to his name. At least well, that's what yeah. it seems like. And like, I mean, that's good. I think he'll. I think he's gonna keep that marketability for a while because like he's got another movie coming out next year. And as long as that movie's good, like Jordan Peele is gonna be a big name for a while. Uh, Nia DaCosta, I guess I hope I hope so. But like, she's kind of at a stage where I feel like any movie could make or break. And I don't know about this movie being one that breaks her career, but I don't think it's one that's gonna make her career either. Yeah, uh, Candyman is kind of a. It, it feels well. I guess this is like a, a technically a sequel to a, a movie from. Is it the eighties? I think or the nineties, so. maybe. I think so, maybe mid nineties. Uh, this is this is like the the fourth Candyman movie, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't I don't believe it was advertised as necessarily a well because this is what this is kind of like a reboot sequel, similar to like the Force Awakens, I guess. Um, uh, where it acknowledges yeah. the past movie uh, while also kind of creating its own thing with like a new cast. Oh, apparently um, this is so this is the fourth Candyman movie, but apparently it's like it only is a sequel to the first one. Like it doesn't acknowledge the second or third or the second and third one don't really matter for this. But also like, OK, cool. Yeah, I have um, not seen the original. Unfortunately, I've heard it's very good. Yeah, I know no, a lot of I've, people I've, like really love that movie i kind of want to see the original now um but but yeah no it's a it's it's a horror movie uh she what it stars uh, what's that guy's name uh uh yaya abdul mateen he has been getting a lot of roles recently He's i've seen him in so much stuff too. uh I think this is the second movie we're talking about that has him in it because he was in the trial of the Chicago Seven and he was my favorite guy mm-hmm. in the trial of the Chicago Seven. Yeah. Um, he was in Us as I think he was the husband in that movie, right? Um, mm, was, or, or was it a smaller role? I Might think have been he a smaller was a role. smaller role. Oh, no. Winston Duke was the husband. Take it back. Um, but yeah, I remember he, he was kind of scary in that. I don't know if he had like a big role. Uh, but I also remember him from, well, he's in The Matrix, Resurrections, the movie Upcoming. Oh, yeah. And he was also in Black Mirror, as well as Watchmen. Uh, he had a pretty big role in Watchmen, from what I remember, the TV show. He was in Black Mirror? Uh, yeah, you know, the, you know the episode where they are they're having sex in the video game? Oh, like, yeah, with yeah. Us, okay. With us. What's the guy uh, from um, it's the Falcon? Is it what is his name? Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie, yeah. Um, so yeah, I've seen him in a lot of stuff recently. Uh, it's been weird seeing him because I don't necessarily think he's like a great actor or anything. Um, but I mean, he's, he's got been potential. A lot of stuff I've watched because, like, um, like I said, I really liked him in the Trial of the Chicago Seven. Beyond that, like, I haven't disliked him in anything. He doesn't have a yeah, role that has like really stood out yet for me yeah um and then we have tayana paris who is also another well i guess she's going to be working with nia da costa in the new captain marvel movie as well because she was in wandavision where her character was set up oh um, so yeah, yeah that's she cool. um i really hope she's good in the marvels because yeah. her character was done real dirty in wandavision <laughs> it really was um but yeah i don't like I, I think this was kind of worrisome because this movie 
just didn't really it felt like a mess of a movie if that makes sense like it, it didn't feel like a proper movie that um uh describes it really well actually uh because like i want to say i want to say real quick like if you don't if you don't mind i want to sum up my thoughts on this movie just really quick like this movie has some really good scenes like as a horror movie it's got some good kills uh like some really like what I think are good looking kills anyway, like from a cinema cinematography level, like they're not, they're not perfect or anything, but like they're, they're entertaining to watch. It's got like, there's clearly a lot going on in the messaging. Um, and you know, I guess it's an interesting enough premise, but none of that ever quite comes together. And most of that is like, not enough. Cause like the horror scenes that happen are, they're there, but they seem random, even if they aren't entirely. Uh, the the messaging is like very ham fisted and almost doesn't even tie into the story that well. Uh, and the story is like bare bones. A guy finds out he can summon a ghost, and then they uh, and then everyone dies. And and like it's barely more nuanced than that, right? At least that was my impression coming out of this. Yeah, well, okay, I'd say the the stuff, because it, it tries to become, I guess, culturally relevant very late in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like, it was kind of a plot twist type thing. Or not even a plot twist, like, it's just like a revelation, maybe, in the third act. Um, but yeah, like, before the, that, though, like like you said, there's there's no, a lot of the killings just feel really weird and, like, unnecessary, if that makes sense. Like, they don't, there's no emotional uh we, we don't care about any of the characters that die right um and also none of the characters act like people if that makes sense especially the main character i don't know what his name is in the movie but the guy played by yaya uh anthony anthony mccoy who's an artist yeah. um there is a he there's there's a kind of a not a subplot but there's a there's foreshadowing very unsubtle foreshadowing where He's having trouble with his hand and it keeps getting worse, right? Um, he gets a bee sting yeah. early on and he just refuses to treat it in any way, shape or form. Yeah. And this is like, like I understand in some, in some movies they'll have, like it kind of represents like, I don't know, uh, kind of the darkness creeping up on them and they have to hide it. But the thing is, this guy doesn't hide it. He's also very con- he never notices it either. Like he know he he's bothered by his hand hurting. Mm-hmm. But the, his hand is like it's in a really bad state like very quickly in the movie and he he doesn't acknowledge it at all. He has very many people that he talks to in the movie that could easily see his hand. No one else acknowledges it. Um and it just felt very like I don't know, I felt like the director had a certain like it was like there was a checklist of things to do. And they were just kind of checking things off, if that makes sense. And like, it didn't really matter if things actually connected or flowed or whatever. Um, yeah, because if I can't like the the hand thing um, at the beginning, he gets this bee sting and then he doesn't treat it. And I understand that, like, I mean, by the end, his hand is basically necrotic. And then he finally goes to the hospital. But like, I get it. Hospitals cost a lot, especially in the States. Like. I would understand why he wouldn't go to a hospital, why he wouldn't go to a hospital like once it becomes too late. But like you can get much cheaper stuff for bee stings and he just sort of ignores it. (laughs) And like 
not only does he ignore it as it's festering and getting worse, but like he doesn't even acknowledge it. Like you see his hand developing and getting worse throughout the whole movie and he's just painting away or like doing normal things that you would do with your hand. Um, like it kind of doesn't even matter. And like what you were saying to uh, about the darkness creeping in, that would be a good way to portray that metaphor but I don't think he has that much character development either because at the beginning he's a starving art. Well, not a starving artist, but he's an artist who's like in a slump. And by the end, he's no longer in a slump or actually pretty quick, quickly. He's no longer in a slump, but like him going from being in a slump to not being in a slump, that isn't, that happens quickly. And like his character doesn't otherwise develop beyond. He now has a stroke of inspiration. Like, at no point does his character become a worse person or a better person. He just sort of continues to be who he already is. So it's so like it's just a clumsy metaphor that never that doesn't end up meaning anything. Yeah, maybe I am like, too stupid for this movie. Maybe I'm no, just not I, smart. There's like some there's actually some cool themes at play. Like, I really yeah. like the in the first act, they really build on this idea of um like what he he's a black artist um who is kind of struggling to for with inspiration right and in pushing themselves forward and being unique um and there's like the cup there's one cool scene i remember i don't remember much of this movie if i'm being honest because it's very forgettable but there's one scene where uh he's talking about how um no he he's like talking to what an art collector maybe or maybe it's Uh, art critic art critic and he's like he's uh he's trying to figure out like what his next art piece will be or something like that and the guy uh is really interested in him talking about his experience like in the ghettos or whatever like that right or where Mm. he grew up i think was the kind of the idea behind that scene and uh the art critic is like i I think he was like i don't know if he was white i can't remember but he was like he he was someone that was very rich and i think he was just fast fascinated by the struggle if that makes sense but in like a negative way because i think uh i i guess it's kind of commentary on profiting on suffering without Mm -hmm. actually thinking about like are you are you actually uh acknowledging the suffering if that makes sense and people that profit off of other people's suffering without thinking of the consequences Um, well and like even more directly a lot of this movie very much tries to be comment tries to comment on gentrification where mm-hmm. like uh i he, he explains what gentrification is really well early on like if anyone has never had gentrification put into words this is a great movie for it because early on he says like uh you know the city will force black people or you know minorities and minorities too just into one part of the city basically cut that part of the city off and then eventually that si- that part of the city like starts to you know get a little more run down property value goes down the city sends in artists because artists need because artists need like low rent cuz they don't make a lot of money and if they stay there long enough then enough white people and cultured in uh what's it called um in apostrophes people come in and then like then they start gentrifying the place which is like 
I'd never put it put so eloquently into words. I've never heard it put so eloquently into words as that movie did. Not as I did right now, but as that movie did. So that was cool. But it was like very on the nose because I don't see how the horror elements were added to that theme much at all. Like it was there. I, I know there are connections, but like over the course of the movie, uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen's hand gets increasingly necrotic and eventually he becomes like an evil ghost. What does that have to do with gentrification? I do not fully know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a good, honestly, I, I hadn't really thought or much. I don't know. Well, I didn't even know what the term gentrification meant at this before this movie, to be honest, I didn't know it was like an actual problem. Um, so I'm really, I guess, thankful that the movie pointed that out. Right. Um, but yeah, like you said, it, the, it's, it, it felt, it almost felt Marvel-esque where it's like the third act. Cause it, it was like, it had this kind of interesting commentary and themes. And then in the third act, they were like, okay, this is too subtle. This, and also this is a horror movie. So let's make it more horror movie. Um, and let's make the themes land, but not too subtly, if that makes sense. Like they wanted to hammer down this idea of, uh, of racial, um, like what, cause it kind of became like, it wasn't even so much gentrification at the end. It was, or unless I'm wrong, it was more about, it felt more like police brutality by the end of it. Right. I think this movie kind of like tries to fit a lot of themes together because, uh, Candyman, I, I have not seen the original movies, but, um, I know this is a theme in the original movies, like Candyman, um, is a movie or a movie series that has always been like a socially com a socially conscious horror. I think like the only time that Candyman or the first time that the the villain Candyman kills a black person is in the third movie, and it's only once because like part of the point of the first two movies is that Candyman only I believe Candyman like in sort of a warped way protects black people that summon him. Or, yeah. you know, something like that. So there's always this racialized uh, part of it's there's always a racialized part of the movie. And um, I think that this movie, this movie clearly gets that. Like, I mean, I would it, obviously, I guess. But like this movie kind of tries to fit in too many themes for its own good, I think, because the gentrification part is there and feels like it's a big part of the movie, but also feels like it's disconnected from other stuff where, you know, by the end, like you said, there's that police brutality theme um, within there. There's like also themes that aren't related to either of those necessarily. And then there's one scene that I really I, I thought it was cool, but I really don't like it looking back on it. There's a scene where uh, five white girls summon the Candyman in a public bathroom and there's a black girl in the uh in the stalls and all of the white girls get killed by the candy man and i don't fully understand the meaning of that scene other than that there is clearly a race element at play i don't really understand what that scene is doing though is the thing i just think that there's there's so much going on in this movie that I think it sort of circles back around on itself and becomes very unclear. 
in a lot of places. Yeah, that. Well, I mean, okay, stuff like that. Because yeah, with the with that scene in the in the bathroom, I think there was some. I think it just made it more confusing, and it was also just very unnecessary because those girls had nothing to do with the plot. If that makes sense, so I think it just felt more like they were like, "Oh, this kill count's pretty low. Let's let's kind of raise the stakes by killing these people in a high school, right?" Yeah. Um, but yeah, but like even even without, because I feel like it when we're talking about it, it, we're talking more like like oh the like the theme the movie was messy in terms of themes and stuff, but also just like a general like the movie making like the the like the the basics of movie making here were also kind of shoddy if that makes sense like uh like stuff like a lot of the kill scenes were really poorly done in my opinion um like cinematography wise pacing wise acting wise um like there's this one scene where someone is murdered and uh uh what what happens oh they're murdered in like their apartment right and there's a little tension leading up to it, but then the murder happens as like from a, the camera is very far away, and it kind of happens like I don't know, like very like it's like the tension was built up, and then you don't even get to see the kill if that makes sense because it's done like really far away. Right. Um, and also the killings themselves were really poorly done because like okay, this is gonna sound like I feel bad saying this, but like having Candyman be invisible, like just looked really stupid <laughs> like on camera like like a lot of the killings were just like looked really childish if that makes sense um i think it's like, a cool idea i but like that's that's kind of where it starts and ends the idea is really cool the execution didn't work almost all of the time there might have been one scene where there was one scene where i thought it was okay uh wait which scene or can you, uh, you don't have to say the so it's actually not a killing there's one scene where the main character he's like looking at his hand that has become necrotic and he looks in the mirror and he sees the candy man and oh. as he's like looking around his reflection is the candy man so like this um it's it's kind of foreshadowing the uh when he moves his hand around the bee hand like the candy man moves his hook hand around that that's cool but like I think the idea of a killer that you can only see in the mirror, but you can't see in like real life is a neat idea. But as you said, the execution is pretty childish and bad in a lot of cases. Yeah, this was definitely should have been like a less is more type scenario. Um, because, yeah, there, there were a couple scenes where like the buildup was good. But then, yeah, when the killing happens, it just looked kind of stupid. Uh, mm -hmm. It's like maybe we didn't have to see the killings fully uh which was unfortunate so yeah and like again like we never we never cared about any of them right like any of the victims like there's no emotional attachment i didn't care about the main character either like i thought he's just not relatable if that makes like he's he was this rich he was already like a rich artist um and they kind of like they tried to make him a struggling artist but he's also living in like this really nice apartment like like or maybe it was a town like he lived in a really nice townhouse with it, his girlfriend, it was, like, who was, it was also like a really, it was like, it wasn't, I don't think, a penthouse apartment, but it was that kind of a thing. Like, it was really high up in a really nice apartment building. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it, it's just like, he's a struggling artist. It's just like, I don't, I don't care. Like, he seems like he's doing okay. And again, if they, maybe if they played more into the themes of guilt, like, because what his girlfriend at the time is a, is a art dealer, right? I think. Yeah. 
So he, I think he feels a lot of guilt about like, oh, do I really deserve my success? Um, well, and there's some tension later in the movie where she's like, oh, all people care about is his work um, and they don't care about me, you know? And with the themes, like, the structure is there because, or the, like, or, you know, could be there because uh, right at the beginning, he explains gent- gentrification. And like, even though um, gentrification tends to typically really hurt minorities, he's in the weird position where he's a struggling artist uh, who's really, really benefiting from this entire area being gentrified. Uh, so like, that's already kind of an interesting conflict if your theme is gentrification. Um, and like, and, and then once these killings start happening, he directly benefits from the first three or four, which is really interesting because it's like, oh, it, well, because like very early on, they sort of imply that he would be really easy to frame or that he's like the prime suspect here. So there's so much interesting stuff that, ends up eventually not really going anywhere because then the story kind of spirals out of control. But um, I don't know. The beginning of this, I don't think the beginning of this movie is necessarily much better or worse than the, than the later parts. But like from a story perspective, the structure is ready to go. They build everything up and then they don't do anything with it. Yeah, I think this is just kind of like, I don't know, man, like because Jordan Peele wrote it, right? I don't think. Or I think Nia, did she have, like, maybe a co-writing credit? Uh, so Jordan Peele didn't write it alone. It was Jordan Peele, oh. Wynn Rosenfeld, and Nia DaCosta. Oh, okay. I think she it looks like she was credited last, though. So I think, I feel like maybe it was more, like, some touch-ups, but, like, nothing I really I really, drastic. I think it was mostly Jordan Peele and Wynn Rosenfeld. Yeah. Who is Wynn Rosenfeld? He collaborates really... with Jordan Peele a lot. Oh, okay. Um... But yeah, like the like the the script wasn't like Jordan Peele is really struggling with his I, I don't know how many scripts he's written, but like there's just been a steady decline in like yeah, it was Get Out, Us, and then Candyman he's written uh in the past four years, right? Mm. And each one has been progressively worse in terms of cause it feels like he's I, I feel bad because I think he's going to be under the shadow of get out for like the rest of his career, if that makes sense. Um, because it was such a yeah. lightning in the bottle effect in terms of, I think, uh, like racial tension. were at an interesting time, at, like at the, or interesting, like they're very interested. They were, they were under a lot of focus at the time, like starting to get a lot of focus. And then also like it's, it was his first movie out of key and peel like that he directed. And um, I don't know. It was, it it was and it was just an amazing movie, right? In general, it was, yeah. Uh, and then, like, it just feels like each movie he is trying to recapture the same feeling of Get Out, if that makes sense. Because he's he's kind of like Get Out, Us, and Candyman are all movies that are horror movies, horror movies, but with like lots of uh, racial. I guess Us was more social commentary, mm. um, but you could also say racial commentary in that too as well, because I feel like it's. I mean, there's at this point. There's definitely that component. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing that was like, it feels like in this, he really tried to. It's like it's getting way less subtle, and it's stretched too far. Because mm-hmm. uh, Candyman, I think, like you could have it as like, like the gentrification thing. You can have as kind of like, 
a theme and like kind of an undertone, if that makes sense, or like and like. Uh, well, like I was saying, I think that's the most. Um, I think in this movie, that's the most like well developed theme, and the problem is that like it ends up if that is the main theme, it certainly doesn't feel like it by the end because there's so much other stuff that happens where the gentrification stuff just gets, it feels like it just gets like thrown by the wayside. Yeah, exactly. And I think that just really hurts the movie because yeah, you, like you said, it was trying to do too many things at once. Um, I just kind of wish he would just make a straight up horror movie. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, because, yeah, I I feel like every time he's going to try this, it's just not going to be as good as Get Out. And it's it's going to feel really forced. Uh, well, so, like, in my opinion, because he peaked really early in terms of this type of movie, he should really move on to something completely different. I think that's his best bet of, like, maintaining his career. Because at this point, like, if I see Jordan Peele is, like, attached to something, I don't really care anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think, like... I mean, I, I think we've talked about it privately. I don't think we talked about it on the show, but like uh, us, I think was fine. Like it wasn't nearly as good as Get Out, but it was always going to be compared to Get Out. And like, I think that's un it's a little unfair to that movie. That movie's fine, I think, basically. But basically, the reason I bring that up is like Get Out and us are very Twilight Zone in their approach. And like this movie was a slasher movie and like. I think he's a lot better at writing the Twilight Zone and it's and those are more interesting movies like mm. even, even though Us isn't as good as Get Out, I would definitely say that Us is really interesting. Like it's it's not perfectly executed, but it's such a like the themes in it are pretty cool. And the way that they're executed is like it's interesting, at least. And this movie, like everything is an excuse to get the man with the hook hand to slash some throats. <laughs> Yeah. And like, you can make a movie where the excuse for the man with the hook hand is really interesting. And this movie is not that. Yeah, it's not. Like, and that is really unfortunate. Basically, well, I haven't I have not seen the original Candyman movie, unfortunately. But like this movie makes me want to because this movie reminded me a lot of how really, really good the original Friday the 13th is. Uh, have you seen that movie? I have not. Or so, I don't think I have. So Friday the 13th is not super social commentary. In fact, I don't think there's any social commentary on there at all. Like if there's any kind of commentary, it's uh, sort of reversing people's expectations on what a slasher film could be at the time. But like, um, you know, they build up the slasher for a long time. And when you finally and when they finally reveal the villain of the movie, it like it's it's really well built up and it subverts all your expectations and it's a culmination of everything that the movie's done up to that point. And like I bring that up because Candyman is not that. And like it's a hard it, I can't really directly compare those two because Candyman tries to be social commentary and Friday the 13th doesn't. So like mm -hmm. they're very different movies, but like Candyman doesn't build up its slasher very well and tries to add in social commentary and the end result is something that's not scary uh and also doesn't make a lot of sense which is like the worst thing you can be for both a horror like not scary is the worst thing you can be for a horror movie and not making a lot of sense is the worst thing you can be for a social commentary so like yeah 
it's just really bad on both ends of the spectrum. It, I don't know. it hurts it a lot by trying to be both and, well, I mean, I guess if you try to be both and you succeed, great. But this movie doesn't is the problem. Yeah. And that's really, yeah, it's really rare to, to actually capture like, mm-hmm. that balance, I guess. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Would you, would you recommend Candyman or what would you rate it? I don't know. I feel like, I mean, like if you've seen the other Candyman movies, you probably got to see this one because it's like the number four. But I, <laughs> I, I just watched it and like I was originally excited for it. Like, I, you know, a week ago I was excited to watch this and then I didn't get around to it. And today I ended up watching it just so we could do this show. And like I now having seen it feel like that was a huge burden and I probably could have spent my time better elsewhere. I think overall, if I had to rate this out of 10, I'd give it, I don't know, a four. Yeah. Maybe. That might be generous. No, no, four mm-hmm. is fine. Because, like, the performances are fine. There's potential. Like, the filmmaking is competent, even if it's not, like, good in a lot of spots. But it's it's fine. Yeah. I'd probably give it, like, maybe a three, I guess. Uh, maybe a two. I don't know. I just, yeah, it was... It was pretty bad. Uh, I guess the only highlight is maybe I thought the lighting was always really nice, and I wouldn't say the cinematography, but yeah, the lighting. It looked like a very well lit movie. Um, there were little puppet shows in between, and those were pretty. Oh fun. my god! Yes, those puppet shows are actually really well done, um, especially for like the exposition scenes. It really oh, helped yeah. a lot, mm-hmm. uh, which is really smart. So props for that. But yeah, other than that, it's like honestly bad acting, in my opinion, bad, bad. Uh, bad script, bad, bad cinematography, bad pacing. There's a, a lot wrong with this. Um, so, yeah. And uh, now I am once again concerned about the next Captain Marvel movie <laughs> after being feeling a lot better than before. Um, I, was it you I was talking to a while ago? This, must, this, this probably wasn't on the show, but you were like, oh, yeah, well, the director of Candyman is doing the next Marvel movie, so it must be fine. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if that was you I was talking to, but like for a moment I we were all excited. Be. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. This movie got pretty good reviews too. Like not not amazing, but like what it has like it has like an eighty five on Rotten Tomatoes or something. That is. I've never. Really it's good, been a actually. while since I've really disagreed that hard with Rotten Tomatoes. I think. Um. Uh, <laughs> interestingly enough, uh, you want to know. The last time I disagreed that hard with Rotten Tomatoes. What? Uh, give me just a second here. Uh, was it the, Jungle Cruise? Jungle Cruise is also pretty rough. No, I was going to say The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which has a 66 oh, on I Rotten see. Tomatoes. But oh, actually, man. I don't disagree with it that hard. I would give it closer to like a 10, but um, 66 is pretty negative for Rotten Tomatoes. So, Yeah, that... Uh, well, yeah, it's hard to tell with Rotten Tomatoes, but yeah, I don't know how you would review this positively. But anyways, uh, do we have a next movie? We do. We do. We are going to talk about uh, a movie. We might be a little pressed for time on the next one. We're going to try and do it like really, really close to the release. Uh, we're going to talk about Titan, which one can this year. Oh, shit. So we're going to talk about on- only horror movies, I guess, from now on. That's pretty cool. Sounds good. Okay, what's the last word? Uh, uh, <laughs> wait. Oh, I, I feel like there's a good one here. Hook. There you go. Oh, nice. That's not good. 